You're listening to the I Love You Keep Going podcast with George Haas. For more information, please visit our website at www.metagroup.org. That's www.metagroup.org. So welcome, everybody. This is I Love You Keep Going. It is uh, July 7th, 2022 at 7.38 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Uh, and uh, I thought really we should just start over since there's been an interruption in the trajectory of what we talk about. Um, <clears throat> a few things have happened, notably the, uh, the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, um, and uh, the um, <clears throat> activist court that we currently have. I, I do always appreciate the, uh, the sort of right wings uh, um, labeling of things. They're completely against an activist court and have campaigned against it. Uh, and then of course, really it turns out it's just a projection for what they're doing. Um, and then also what's coming up over the summer here at Metagroup, I thought we could talk a little bit about, um, just as a refresher. I'll mute everybody. Progress. Um, when I uh, when when Roe was put into place, I was still living at home in Chicago, uh, um, still in high school. It's a long time ago, and I remember um, being so enthusiastic about it that I dug our American flag out of the closet and I put it out in front of the house. And when my mother came home, she was really curious as to why I had put the the flag out, and I said that they had. They had legalized abortion um, and that I thought that that was terrific. And, uh, you know, I grew up in an arch Republican household and she was unsure about that, but uh, she did have a, a quality of feeling that uh, uh, women should have equal rights. Uh, my grandmother, her mother used to put it uh, differently. Um, she would say, oh, men are stupid. Not you, George, uh, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and she recounted the sorrows of the world uh, in which men were largely, I mean, overwhelmingly in charge of. And so here they are again uh, doing this thing. Um, and we are uh, in a country that's uh, quite divided. I'm really, uh, this is a meditation uh, format, and really what I mean by talking about this is that we need to find a way to hold space for this without completely rejecting it, or we won't really be able to respond to it in a way uh, that, that will be helpful. I know that um, it's easy to just reflexively turn away from this. It's just, uh, it's impossible, it's hopeless, there's nothing that we can really do about it. The, the dialogue with people who support 
this view is uh, is also impossible because there's no uh, reason, there's no ground that we can uh, share to discuss it. Um, but we still need to be able to hold a space where we can be uh, open to this uh, and open to the people who hold these views and in some way stay relational or uh, the 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 polarization will deepen the thing that happens with the polarization that bothers me the most is that it prevents much of anything happening there there are an abundance of solutions to the problems that we have as a culture and what there isn't is a uh, willingness to implement uh, them i've been um, reading about this because I, I want to be able to have a way of, of opening into it. And what keeps being described over and over again is this America, this American empire um, through the, the actions of our government, uh, making us less and less competitive so that the American era is winding down and what we're seeing is the reflection of that, mainly through inequality. <clears throat> so you have uh, the systematic destruction of public education, you have the uh, change in the tax code that uh, grossly favors the people that are already rich. Uh, you have the uh, impoverishing of the of poor and you have the stripping of the middle class of, of resources and a return really to the unequal systems that preceded the post-war period. Um, one of the things about the Second World War and the, the blowing up of most of Europe and then the blowing up of uh, Asia that followed is that there was a lot of work rebuilding and then that created this uh, possibility of a capitalist growth economy, which actually, now that most things are rebuilt, we don't really have anymore. And we're returning more to that already built economy where uh, the upper end of the, the spectrum has most of the resources and the bottom end uh, doesn't have much. We also have this um, resilient uh, military policy in this country that really takes the, the bulk of the, the money that, that are raised by taxes. Um, I've just come back from Europe, and one of the things about Europe uh, is that their infrastructure is much better than ours, and it's not a little bit better. It is much, much, much better than what we have here. And the easiest explanation for that is that they don't spend the majority of their federal tax dollars supporting a military. They put it into the development of the physical structure of their countries so that they have public transportation, they have health care, they have public education, they have bullet trains. Have you ever been on a bullet train? <laughs> 
You could go from Amsterdam to Paris. It's a little over three hours on a bullet train at 160 miles an hour, and it is smooth. Uh, um, and we have our military. It's it, it, it's it's a puzzling trade-off that that we're willing to tolerate. So here we are talking about the conditions of the world as we find it and our place in the world uh, where we are and what uh, is our responsibility or not our responsibility about this. Uh, what ends up happening um, uh, in, in the historical view of this, of course, is that uh, when the middle begins to fall away because of the, of the uh, deepening inequality populist leaders tend to arise and they can arise either on the left or the right uh, in our country uh, um, because of the history of the suppression of the left um, the last time really the the left rose up was um, in the great depression and um, that was uh, uh, suppressed by our military uh, but it did result in the roosevelt years and, and a realignment of that which was the the shift that allowed uh, the middle class to be preserved and actually developed um, greater education, greater social welfare. Um, but this time around, uh, through uh, the election of Trump and um, and the the hard right shift of, the, of that side of the aisle, the populist movement that's really arisen has been uh, right wing. Um, uh, we even elected a populist president and um, we have the hearings around uh, the Jan January 6th uh, uprising. We don't have a tendency to hold uh, our uh, senior leaders accountable in, in this country, and we haven't uh, for as long as I can remember. Um, but if something doesn't happen, um, <clears throat> the 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 system that we have won't hold is, is my sense of it. So what then do we do? And how do we um, really, I keep coming back to this over and over again, hold the space for a, a, a collaborative dialogue where uh, the definitions and meanings of each side are uh, understood and appreciated and that we can then collaborate on a, uh, on a solution or solutions uh, so that we can uh, avoid uh, the hardships that uh, this kind of uh, cycle of, uh, of empire um, you know, everything is impermanent. They rise, they pass. Uh, 
if you add into that, then of course the 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 great technology boom and the uh, the, the climate condition, um, it is also an unprecedented time in terms of uh, um, reflecting back on history. Mm. You know, the old uh, saying is that people who don't uh, understand uh, and reflect on history are likely to repeat its errors. And people who do have to be patient while well, the people who don't repeat the errors. <laughs> so, so then we would be talking about compassion, right? Compassion practice that we're actually able to hold the suffering experience of other people. I look at uh, a lot of these presentations and, and it looks like a lot of suffering uh, to me. A sense of joyfulness uh, from the sympathetic joy, the mudita practice in everybody doing well, everybody pursuing uh, their exploration and the things that uh, matter to them and uh, supporting that. Um, <clears throat> this uh, loving kindness practice where we view people with this great uh, expanse of kindness. And at the same time, when we recognize that harm is being done, uh, see uh, if we can't in some way present prevent uh, the harming from happening. So that's the tall order of our practice in this environment. <clears throat> Is that making sense? We all create a conceptual reality based on our conditioning and uh, Conditioning varies quite a bit. Uh, um, the experiences that we have vary quite a bit. So we can come into that from this place of understanding the difficulty that certain people have in, in, in coming up into their adult lives uh, and then how they respond to that. So around here, we like to talk about that in terms of attachment theory and attachment work. Uh, seeing if uh, we can um, move out of the restrictions of our, our early conditioning into a place where we can actively explore things that pr provide a meaning, uh, an essential meaning to us uh, as we live on the planet. And then to support each other in each of us pursuing this uh, capacity to explore and find meaning. Uh, it seems to me as I, I look at these things unfolding that what's often represented is a, a despair uh, that people have about not being able to find this essential meaning and, uh, and uh, also not being able to hold uh, the, their own um, uh, obligation or responsibility to find what's meaningful to them uh, and looking to assign that uh, responsibility or project that responsibility to onto other people. You know, I, I grew up uh, gay in the Midwest in the uh, 50s and 60s and um, it was actually uh, physically dangerous to let anybody know that. Uh, 
as a young person. Um, and, and because of that, uh, I've always felt restricted in where I could live. And I've always lived in places that were relatively safe to be uh, expressive of that. So Chicago, uh, New York, Los Angeles. Um, I don't think that my particular subgroup of our culture is going to do that well uh, in as these uh, changes roll out. Um, certainly none of the, the protected groups that we have added to our, our uh, open family of, of um, this country are constitutionally protected in a, in a traditional interpretation of that. And uh, when I was in my 20s, uh, homosexuality was illegal in all 50 states. You could be evicted without any repercussions. You could be fired without any reper repercussions. You could be um, beat, beat up or killed on the street. And, and uh, a viable defense was homosexual panic, that the, the person who beat you or killed you was frightened of the specter of it. Um, and I don't really want to go back to that. Uh, and so I, 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 it does cause me consternation uh, how that's going to roll out. I don't, and I'm pessimistic about actually how it's going to go. Um, So we practice metta, we practice karuna, we practice mudita, we practice uh, upeka, and then we, we keep our voices loud uh, in response to this. Um, one of the things about using anger as a, as a resource to propel you into responding to this is that it burns you out and it burns you out fast, way faster than the amount of resistance that we're going to need to respond. Uh, and so uh, if you can shift into the, the, the compassion side, the, the loving kindness side, the joyfulness side, you'll last longer. That's one of the other reasons why I think it's so essential to do that. You'll be able to resist as long as we need to resist in order for this to, to change again. Everything is impermanent. This will rise. This will pass. We will be able to push again into something different. So that's my thoughts about that. <clears throat> So what we're doing around here is uh, on Saturday, we're starting a new level one series. If you're interested in the attachment stuff, this is a sort of, uh, well, we tend to go uh, into a, uh, uh, the level one is a sort of broad <coughs> survey of what actually the attachment work is and, and how we do it. Uh, so that's three day longs uh, uh, over Saturdays coming up. And then we're going to do an I Love You Keep Going, which is 
focused mainly on uh, the collaborative relationship system. So our formulation for the attachment work is uh, um, the three pillar approach uh, that Dan and uh, David Elliott developed with his group, their group. Uh, ideal parent figure is uh, the first pillar. The second pillar is mentalizing. And the third pillar is the psychoeducation around attachment and collaborative relationship systems. And so the level one is mainly focused on uh, uh, the uh, psychoeducation of what attachment is, how to develop mentalizing through the use of uh, meta vipassana, and then also um, collaborative relationship systems, and then an introduction to the ideal parent figure work. We do a level two, which we also have coming up this summer, which is a deeper dive into that where uh, we really uh, develop the ideal parent figure protocol, the beginning part of it, uh, work through the mentalizing uh, and what mentalizing is and what needs to happen, and then really work on the collaborative relationship systems. Level three, you can do at any time, which is the one-on-one -on -one, uh, attachment work. Um, we do like you to have an adult attachment interview for that so that we can track what needs to happen. Once you earn security, then level four is really looking at the adult relationship patterns and seeing if there's anything there that needs to be shifted, which we would use ideal parent figure for. We have a level five, <clears throat> which is for people who are in existing couples that uh, need help in renegotiating the attachment relationships. One of the things that happens when you do the attachment work is it shifts your standing uh, attachment uh, uh, understanding with your partner and sometimes uh, there there needs to be additional support there to help uh, negotiate uh, renegotiate the terms of that agreement <laughs> fingers crossed uh, and we're we're developing a level six but it's not ready for rollout yet which is advanced mentalizing <coughs> and that's really uh once you get the attachment stuff which we consider the preliminary uh, practices out of the way we move then into uh, uh the advanced mentalizing which is really the, the on the enlightenment track so we want you to do the attachment work if you need to do it and then jump into the uh, enlightenment track I think that that might also be helpful to all of us if we have more and more people who can see uh, clearly the, the nature and purpose of the human uh, condition. Uh, I was uh, quite saddened by the, that rollback, quite fearful of what might come next. When I was in uh, Paris just a week ago or so, and I, I went to the Sacred Heart uh, Basilica, which is on the top of Montmartre. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but in the back of the basilica is this massive um, uh, mosaic uh, of Jesus. Uh, and it really depicts this uh, patriarchal view of the world 
Jesus at the top or God is at the top and everyone falling beneath. But when you, when you looked at the, uh, who was depicted in the mosaic, you saw the Pope kneeling and St. Joan of Arc kneeling and uh, the Virgin Mary kneeling and all of the, the royals that were in power at the time kneeling and all of the saints kneeling. And, and there's this whole hierarchy uh, perfectly depicted uh, in this giant mosaic. And I was struck by the, the patriarchal nature of it and these layers of authority. You know, we live in this country that uh, was inhabited, uh, you know, estimates what, 100 million people maybe in this continent. And I don't know uh, how accurate these estimates are. But it was a hunter-gatherer society, which was really a, a council-based, community-based form of government and not hierarchical. So when you live in a, in a patriarchy where there, the view is that the patriarchy is the only system that really works, uh, and yet we, we, we inhabit a continent that for millennia was not that, but it's completely discounted. Uh, the ownership of the land was collective, not individual. And, and so when our uh, European ancestors came over, they didn't value the collective ownership. They, they instead interpreted it as if the land were not owned and so that they could then take it. Um, mainly, I think that the, the collapse of uh, what was here uh, was through the, the novel uh, diseases that created a, a pandemic so that there wasn't actually uh, enough in the way of survivors to hold that space. But when you when you look into the the nature of those societies and how uh, they regulated the population uh, based on the resources that were available and that was constantly changing and uh, there was no ultimate uh, patriarchal authority that controlled everything it's more community-based more council-based <clears throat> We can see actually that there are examples of enduring um, systems that are not the one that we have. So I think that we can also be quite open in, in terms of our thinking about this. And that's also something uh, that I, I would like to offer is that we, we begin to, as we think of solutions for what's coming, uh, that we be quite open about it and not uh, necessarily think that what we have is the only option. I remember growing up in school and um, uh, some, I'm paraphrasing this because I can't quite remember it, but uh, democracy is uh, um, uh, a terrible system in government to, except that it's better than all of the other systems. Can you remember that uh, comment? 
but certainly we should be able to come up with a, a system that that includes all of us so that we all can pursue this goal of finding meaning in in our lives in the terms that make sense to us um, as long as those terms aren't violating uh, everybody else um, but I, I i i'm quite hopeful actually about that because that seems to be uh, more than innate quality of what this uh, human condition is if that makes sense so what i th thought would make sense was to be to do some meta practice for difficult people <laughs> it's funny what what do you think of difficult people i normally think of people who won't do what i want them to do <laughs> or what i think they should do uh, that's what makes them difficult but if you step back a little bit from that really at a, a deeper level, uh, the interaction with them creates <clears throat> dysregulation in me. So something about the way that uh, their being, which is without any evaluation of it, when it interacts with the way that I tend to be, it creates uh, a dysregulation rather than uh, it being neutral or being pleasant. So really, uh, very difficult to do much about your conditioning. It's very difficult for somebody else to do much about their conditioning. And so uh, you tend to gravitate toward people who make you feel better. And that's this unconscious uh, emotional regulation uh, system that happens between people. And so people who are difficult to uh, tend to be dysregulating. It may be that it isn't all of the, the creative narrative structures that we create about them that makes them difficult, but just that our systems um, don't integrate very well. But let's do some uh, meta for a difficult uh, person, see how that goes. Um, any comments or questions before we begin? Okay. So go ahead and take your meditation posture. How'd that go? Ready to resist? <laughs> Good. So we do, we are, as I said earlier, starting the level one on Saturday. Um, I'm, we're doing it a little differently, but maybe not. Let's look. So we'll have the first one on the 9th, and then the second one on the 23rd, and then the third one on the 6th of August. And then on the 20th of August, we'll have the uh, relational class. And then the first level two classes starting in September. 
I do also have a retreat coming up October 1st through 8th at uh, 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 um, the retreat center in the Sierras. Um, there's some places left in that. I know it's challenging with the COVID uh, stuff, but hopefully um, it'll, it'll settle down a little bit by then. Um, and then we're going to take a group uh, to Asia in uh, February. Um, and uh, it looks like it, we might be uh, going to Vietnam uh, to do some practice there and, uh, and tour around uh, um, Ho Chi Minh City way and then up to Hanoi. So uh, that would be for three weeks. And then that's what's coming up. Um, I offer this class on a Donna basis. Donna is the Pali word for donation so, or generosity. So um, I hope you would consider that. It helps support me and also the work that Metagroup is doing. Very nice to see you. Um, the question is, what time is the level one, which is at, it's at nine to four. Uh, I will uh, see you soon, I hope, somewhere along the way. Bye now. Thanks, George. Bye. Thank you. Peace.